This is Eric Corey, and welcome to Season 4 of A Different Story with Eric Corey, my continuing effort to prove that we are not a nation divided, but a nation of like-minded people who all want the same thing. And we all want good health, we all want prosperity and opportunity, and we all want to have trust in our institutions. It's that last part that screws the whole thing up for everybody. Trust. I mean, who can we trust? What can we trust? The information that bombards our world is more than we can handle. And with so much information available to suit every taste, you can choose to see or hear whatever it is you want to see or hear. And most of us do. We drive on the information superhighway by choice. And we go to the places that we want to go to by choice, be it sports or shopping or weather or news or partisan opinion, whatever floats your boat. You take the exit of your choosing and down that road will be the things you want to see and the words you want to hear. It's all out there. And what we choose to trust is not based on something that you can hold in your hand or something with absolute certainty. No, the trust that we grant our sources of information is given mostly because we want to trust that information and we want it to be true. And what we trust and want to be true is that which best serves our own personal interest. It matters less that it be true, which brings us to today's different story, the ever elusive quest for the truth. Truth and trust should be the same thing, like, like time and space, one and the same. But it so clearly is not. Because what do we know about the truth anyway? And when do we get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, which is the standard when speaking in a court of law? But it is not the standard for speaking in the rest of the world of human interactions. Unless you're in a court of law, the truth can be anything you want it to be. So it's who you trust that really matters. And what do you trust to have your best interests as a priority when they claim to be speaking the truth? Now, anyone can give you a partial truth or a half-truth and call it the truth. And while they may be technically accurate in speaking the truth, they've organized a presentation of facts in such a way as to give the consumer of that information a skewed view of the reality. And that is something that happens all the time everywhere. Now, with the recent advent of the ever-present recording device, be it your cell phone or a security camera or a policeman's body cam, the recorded voice and video are there to give us that first-person view of what happened. And from that, we can determine the truth. But most of the time, it's not that easy to figure out what the truth really is. In most other cases where there is no voice or video to give us what we need to determine the truth, the truth becomes, well, a lot more subjective. No, most of the time, we're taking the word of some highly educated experts or learned official telling us what we should do and what we shouldn't do, and then getting government to enforce that rule, and then giving government jobs to people to enforce the rule who then need to make that rule an institution, cementing an untruth that has become tenured. It's a very complicated affair, this truth-searching thing. It doesn't matter that it's government or public sector. Everyone is peddling a truth to get what they want, and what they want is that which best serves their desires and their status. They're shaping every bit of information they use to get you to buy something, be it a new widget or a point of view. But in both cases, the purported truth being told is motivated by money, which, by definition, no longer makes it the truth. But getting at a real truth, the whole truth, well, it should not be so subjective. When someone is claiming to be honestly telling you the truth, it should be an absolute, like, like true north or true level. Absolutes that can be measured and confirmed, but they never are. And unless you can see that bubble perfectly between the lines on the glass level, you will never really know the truth about anything. And since it's, it's so hard to get true truth, someone who may or may not be telling the truth can so easily be called a liar, which then can also carry a small amount of weight of truth. 
So you can see how difficult it is to getting the truth out of anything and how a liar can still be a liar while speaking the truth. So what do we know to be true and who do we know to be liars? Now, most of the time, it really doesn't matter. Most of the time, we can see the lying liars in a, in a world that exists outside our sphere of concern. The half-truth lies that have no effect on us at all. And then there are the other times when the lying liars are costing me money. Money that I'm compelled to, to pay under the threat of imprisonment. And because in almost every case here, because money is involved, the truth is a matter so subjective that it can barely be called the truth. But the most important part here is that we all do it. We all accept a truth or peddle a truth because that version of the truth best serves our own personal or financial interests. And when it comes to those truths that don't necessarily serve our own best personal interests, well, that's when we all gravitate toward those half-truths or, or we cite some random expert that says so. Anything, as long as it can be reasonably argued as true, we call it a win. You can maintain credibility while asking others to, to look the other way. And there's where we stand as a nation divided, everyone out for themselves in this free-for-all of peddling the truth and earning trust based upon how does this best serve me and what is in my best interest. Now, for me and my family, my truth will be that which grants me the unfettered access to capitalism that has been my life. Just give me a level playing field and stay out of my way and let me build my wealth as the law allows. And for that to happen, I need things like less taxes and less regulation, just less government overall. And let's just say I represent 60% of this country that are not either employed by the government or dependent on government funding in some form, or just the opposite. This 60%, we want government out of the way in our constitutionally protected pursuit of happiness. And we want the money they take from our earnings to be spent prudently and frugally and in all manner properly, because this is what serves our best personal interest, that 60% of us. And let's say the other 40% of the country that are receiving some form of government assistance or are working for the government. Now, these people will believe a properly configured truth that ensures that that free money and those fat pensions that they now enjoy will go on in perpetuity because that best serves their personal interests. Now, I call it 60-40 to be on the safe side. But according to the most recent U.S. Census, approximately 46% of the population receives some form of government funding. Now, this is not only government assistance money. This also includes forms of payout under the Social Security program and various other governmental subsidizing programs. This does not include people who either work for directly the government or are contracted workers of the government. It's a lot of people when you factor in the people who earn their living contracting with the government in some form. But in the end of the day, there are about 50% of the people in this country getting a government check every month in some form or another. And this is what I believe to be how we are so evenly divided. Now, sure, you can argue the numbers, but it's close enough to 50-50 to call it an even split. And further proof that this can be observed during the last seven presidential elections, they're all of them, as close to a 50-50 split as you can get. So, generally speaking, that is, if that 50% of the population that either works for the government or want the free money that government magically sends them every month to appear in their mailbox to keep coming, well, they will vote Democrat. And, generally speaking, if the other 50% that want government to fire the dead weight and eliminate wasteful spending and stay out of my business, well, they vote Republican. Now, I, I know it's not that simple. And I know there's a lot more to selecting who you vote for and what you vote for. But, generally speaking... If you vote Democrat, your vote is seen as supporting the concept of more government and the continuation of the doling out of free money. 
which is okay if you actually work for the government or are getting any of that free money. But all of that can only continue through the imposition of ever-increasing taxes. Now, I assume that people who vote Democrat understand that reality. I mean, how else is the government going to get the money that they need to spend? I'm pretty sure they know that, right? Well, see, I don't know that. I haven't voted Republican since Jimmy Carter, and I voted for him twice. Now, I vote Republican now, not because I support every plank of the party, because I don't, and in some cases, vehemently. No, I vote Republican because, in general, this party is my only hope of getting less government and less taxes, the two things that best serve my personal interests, and ultimately will serve the best personal interests of us all, Democrat or Republican. And the fact that this nation voting trend has been 50-50 for some time now supports my theory that this split is a result of the fact that half the country depends on government and half the country wants the government to know its place. So where does this leave a guy who wishes to unite these two sides, the two sides whose best personal interests are in direct conflict with each other? Well, step one is to understand the motivation for all of this. And as it always is, it's all about the money. And all the free money or the earned money or the untraceable money that the government spends, well, all comes from the working people who pay this money in the form of payroll taxes. See, it gets money from everything you buy as well as everything you earn. It also gets money through the countless government agencies that insert their authority without regard for how these fees increase the cost we pay for every single product we purchase. But government taxation happens infinitely more and on a much larger scale than just income and sales taxes. There are three levels of taxes we all pay, state, local, and federal. And all of the direct taxes and imposed regulation on business that occur at each and every level of this government intrusions well, naturally raises the cost of everything you buy. Everything you buy. Taxes and government-imposed regulation have invaded every aspect of all of our lives. And if you vote Democrat because they tell you they're going to save the world or make nice with whomever, well, you are also voting for the ever-increasing growth of government. Now, in my desire to maintain a level of trust with anyone who may be listening, it must be admitted that Republicans do the same fucking thing. No doubt they are every bit as culpable in this money grab. But they also represent the only viable hope for stopping or even slowing these intrusions on all of our freedoms in the form of larger government. And I get it. It's more about voting for the lesser of two evils. And I don't want to be cast as an absolute partisan when partisanness is what I'm trying to break up. But you must see that the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is that government has increased its size to such gargantuan proportions that it is prohibiting this nation's ability to to function as designed. The gravitational pull of the mass of government is altering the orbits of our nation's private sector with negative consequences, the likes of which we cannot yet comprehend. Free markets are overwhelmed by the institutionalized intrusions of government to such a degree that they stifle the potential within. That limitless potential that this country has achieved for well over two centuries is being slowly choked out by governmental overreach that is now expanding at an exponential rate. Now, we can't unwind the depth to which government has intertwined itself in our daily lives, something that always ends up costing us money. All we can do now is hope to slow the growth of that malignant tumor that will be the death of us all, Republican or Democrat. And now, I don't want to bum out everyone with this oft-told tale of the mathematics of it all, but like the bubble on that level, it is so far to the left side that it can barely be seen. And I defy the person who will try to argue the contrary, because this truth can be seen by the naked eye. All you need to do is open them up. 
Now, if that makes me sound like some hardcore partisan, well, then I guess I'll have to live with that. But that's not how I want this to be seen or, or taken. See, I wish I could form a whole new party. We'll call the the Cory Party, in homage to the Tory Party. That was a conservative movement that once ruled England's House of Commons. You see, the Cory Party is a party that, not surprisingly, is in 100% agreement with me. But that's not realistic. You see, you've got to stick with one of the major parties to be realistic if you hope to make any real change in our time. And if you have to hold your nose to punch that ballot, well, so be it. Know that it will be for a greater good, a good greater than yourself. Now, that used to be called patriotism until that term has so effectively been branded as offensive. It's the belief in the same system that got us here in the first place. A system so effective that we are now able to argue its tenets from the comfort of our couch. There's no need to mount a horse and ride off with gun in hand. We have become so spoiled with the prosperity of the nation that leads the world. And we should remember the thing that got us here in the first place and know how important it is to preserve it. We can, all of us, Democrat and Republican, both get what we want. But it won't be easy and it won't be painless, but it can be done. And it can be done for the same reason everything else is always done. And this, too, will always be about the money. And if you ever doubt that mantra, well, you remember it when your alarm clock goes off on Monday morning and you ask yourself, why am I leaving this warm and comfy bed? Because I need the money. See, it's always about the money. Otherwise, why in the hell would you drive whatever the distance is between you and your work every day to do something that you'd rather not do? And our only hope of a comfortable retirement depends on how much money we can make, how I manage my investments, and how I operate my life. It's always about the money. And the same is true in all governmental decisions. It's always about the money, be it money for your campaign coffers or the money that you're expected to bring back to your district or the money to reward your donor contractors and the money to fund raises for your department. And you're a fool if you believe any of the virtue signaling of any politician who cares not about the policy and everything about their paycheck and their lofty position. Now, having said all that, let me get back to this trust thing. Now, I've blasted a bunch of information your way, most of it centered on the facts of government and all of which can be argued. There are a million arguments to be made about how we must spend money for the less fortunate and how government regulation is necessary to keep the public safe and how responsive the government needs to be in the case of an emergency. It's all true. But what cannot be overlooked is the fact that we are the most prosperous nation the world has ever seen. We have created more wealth beyond imagine for not only our own citizens, but also for the rest of the world, especially post-World War II. And now, Despite all of that success and all the wealth we've generated as a nation, we are now stone cold broke and so deeply in debt that no one even dares speak of it. Now, that didn't happen by accident. People made that happen. Very specific people. And the same people who squandered all that prosperity are still there and are still squandering money at an ever-increasing rate. And these same people are right now making plans to dig us deeper into that debt with no plan to even think about correcting the situation. They are called Democrats. And if you can't trust that truism, well, then we are doomed. Now, I know that's not a good look for a guy who wishes to build a, a bipartisan majority. But if I hope to garner any trust and establish common ground, I see no other way to fix the problem than to admit to what it is and who is causing it. You see, those who want more and more government have to be stopped. And those who wish to reduce the size and reach of government have to be supported. And since there is no Cory party, we have only the Republicans and the Democrats to, to deal with it if there is any hope of making the change. And please trust me, Democrats will never do that. But the Republicans may. 
And that's the best comparison I can offer. No hope or some hope. But, but I'll take it a step further. You see, this country has an unlimited potential prosperity. And the truth is that our best days are still ahead of us if we choose. But to get there, we must begin the process of reigning in government so that we can allow the free markets to do the thing they've been doing since 1787, building wealth. See, government at best is a necessary evil. And at worst, well, it's what we have today. Runaway inflation, higher costs for everything, and nobody taking responsibility for any of it. And finally, please trust me on this. If we can return to our nation's founding principles of limited government, if we can stop the federal and state governments from sucking the life out of us by taxing everything we buy and sell and earn, well, it's only then that we can recapture the ability to unleash the unlimited potential for prosperity that this nation is known for. We have the potential to build wealth beyond anything that we have achieved so far. The only thing that stands in our way is bigger government, and the people who vote for it. This is Eric Corey.